and in this way I'm going to test them, whether they'll follow my, my instructions or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. God doesn't chastise them. We don't get a, oh, ye of little faith here. No, God loves his people. He's going to raise food down from the heavens. He even tells them, listen, the day before the Sabbath, gather a double amount. You're fed on the Sabbath. Now, why do I think Moses and Aaron are frustrated? Because they thought God's people had forgotten his faithfulness in the light of what they'd been through in the land of Egypt. Listen to how they respond versus what God had just told them. Moses says this, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you'll see the glory of the Lord, because he's heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you're out here complaining against us? Now Moses was telling God's people that when you complain against us, you're really complaining against God, so stop it. This is where one of those instances where we can see the messenger adding a bit to the message, right? God never said that. Moses and Aaron did. God was simply making sure his people were provided for in their time of need. And after telling all the people this, that evening the quail came. And it was meat. And in the morning, something fell from the heavens, something they'd never seen before. Manna, manna came. And God provided for his people. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make his deeds known, make known his deeds among the people. Now even today, God's provisions keep us spiritually. And the psalmist here is writing centuries later, reminding God's people of what he's done. He led them out of bondage in Egypt. But for God, his love extends beyond just giving freedom. Alright, the psalmist says they asked and the quails appeared. And he satisfied them with bread from heaven. Sometimes we forget that the problems, the pain, the uncertainty, it's happened in life and it's happened to us in the past. And the psalmist is not dwelling on those facts, but he's reminding God's people that we sometimes have to journey through bondage along roads and paths in life. But that wherever we go, with God's help, he'll take care of us until we get where we are going. Jesus said, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And over the last few weeks, we've heard Jesus talk about the need for forgiveness for those who sin against us. That if we withhold forgiveness to our brothers and sisters, we're like a slave whose king's forgiven them of an immense debt. Or that slave that is willing to throw one of the fellow slaves into prison over a mere pittance in comparison to what he's been forgiven. And after telling that blesses the children. And he talks to the rich young ruler, telling him that along with what is new and what is right, he has to give up his earthly wealth and concerns. And when that young man walks away disappointed, Peter turns to Jesus and says this, Lord, look, we've left everything and follow you. What will we have? And Jesus tells the apostles that God has rewards for them. He also says he has rewards for others too. And he ends that conversation with Peter, that part of it by saying, Many who were first will be last, and many who were last, who are last will be first. And then immediately he tells this parable. 
simple. It's one we can all understand, right? The landowner needs help in his field. So he goes out at sunrise. He goes down to where they, he hires day laborers. He hires those that are willing to help. He was offering them a denarii for working that day. That's what the wage was. Now the landowner seems to have some pressing need to get the work done. I've always imagined it's harvest time when they're struggling to harvest all the grapes before they go bad in the vines. Or maybe he sees a storm coming off in the distance and he knows if he doesn't get them harvested or the work done today, the rains will come and make it hard to do. So what does he do? He goes back at 9 o'clock and he offers those people a full day's wage for most of the day's work. He goes back at noon and at 3 p.m. and offers them the same deal. And he goes back at 5 o'clock with only an hour left. And he looks at those still not working. He says, why? Why aren't you in someone's field? They tell him, no one's hired us. So he offers them the same wage, one denarii, even though they'll work for only a short period of time. And when the time comes, he tells them to line up to get paid. The five o'clockers first, then three, then noon, then, then three, then noon, then nine, and finally the early birds. And here's the thing. They all get paid as they had agreed to. Because those who started the morning off early saw everyone who for them was a short timer getting paid what they'd been promised. They started getting dissatisfied with their wages. How are you paying someone who only worked one hour? The one hour before sundown, the same wage that you paid those of us who've been here working for 12 hours, those of us who had to endure the hot sun. And the landowner turned to one of them and asked why he was upset. They were paid what they were promised. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Are you envious because I'm generous? Now Jesus here is not giving a discourse in labor relations. This is a parable. But he is talking about God's grace here. Those who followed Jesus from the beginning were adopted into God's family and moved from the kingdom of this world into God's kingdom. Like God's people in Exodus, they were set free. But that same gift is offered to us today. And some of us accept it early. And some of us accept it at the end. But it's the same. It's the same gift. For the last to be first. And the first will be last. Now Paul, writing decades later, tells the Philippians that to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Paul is now in chains. He has a trial coming to him as a Roman citizen. God had told him months or at this point, maybe even a couple of years ago, that he would go to Rome and have opportunity to stand before Caesar and preach. And now he's telling the Philippians that no matter what happens, he's ready to be with Christ. The Lord of the living and the
like, you guys remember what it was like before cell phones? I know everybody here does. And your kids went off to camp for a week or two or for the summer. Or maybe you had a loved one who was working out of town. Your dad, your mom, a spouse, or somebody on a deployment. Maybe in a submarine under the ocean, unable to talk to anyone else, right? And the longer they're gone, and the longer we don't hear from them, the mixture of emotions was stronger, right? A lack of communication sometimes plays havoc with our minds and can make the longing to see them again even stronger. But you know what? You know one day the deployment will be over, the summer's done, and they'll be back home. And you'll see them again. And Paul says, listen, I'm ready to go. But for right now, God thinks it's better for you if I'm here, that I'm able to continue to love and encourage you. Then he encourages them, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I've come and see you or I'm absent and hear about you, I will know that you're standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with each other for one mind for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, listen, whether I'm there physically or not, you need to live your lives with the Lord to continue having faith, love, and unity. But knowing that it's not always easy. Sometimes there are problems and sufferings if we live in a broken world. And as we heard Paul discuss last week, to love each other even with our differences. God has brought us all together to be his family, right? Join heirs with Christ, to be a part of his kingdom. And we heard what the psalmist repeated, that God's love not only liberates us the way it did for Moses and God's people back then, but that God in his love also provides, just like he did for Moses and his people. That he loves us. He provides for us, even in those moments, as the children of God were in Moses' day, we were frustrated and hungry. We forgot why we were calling out to God in the first place. We were confused and hurting. We cannot be jealous of God's love. It's offered to all, especially to those who do not deserve it. Remember, sometimes the last will be first. And in those moments, remember where God brought you.